uh, over the last weeks, I don't know how many weeks, it's been quite a while, the emphasis in uh, preaching has been about the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom, seeing the kingdom, being allowed in, and the difference, at times we've talked about the difference between the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation gospel, and the gospel of the kingdom and how we are to live. And I'm not going to get into that, uh, that generality today. But because of some things that happened this week, some uh, talks I had, uh, one in particular with my son who was here for a few days, uh, I've decided to, to get more into a practical matter about the kingdom. Because until we, uh, you know, uh, all right, so we all believe that there's a kingdom of God, a kingdom that we are to live in, uh, and we're all willing. I look around here, I believe everyone in this place is willing and maybe probably already in some most aspects living kingdom lifestyle and living by kingdom principles. But there uh, may be some who wonder, how does that work? What are some things that we need to do? Well, I hope this is a fairly practical thing, but uh, you're going to have to stick with me <laughs> to, to get to it, all right? Uh, and because you know I'm not a prophetic guy like Craig, and I don't get loud and crazy like Craig. Uh, and, uh, and, I'm not, and I'm not a pastor guy like Arthur, uh, loving on you all the time. I'm, I'm a teacher guy like Jimmy. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to teach. At least I pray the Holy Spirit teaches today because I depend on him completely. In my prayer concerning any time I get before the congregation, that's what I pray, that the teacher shows up. <laughs> and so that's what we're going to do today. And, and what I want you to do is in the midst of this particular lesson, in this particular application of this way of thinking, I want you to learn, begin to learn, if you don't know how, to take an Old Testament story, let the Holy Spirit teach you about it, and translate it through the cross to where we exist in the kingdom of God. Because we are, we, too many times people take things literally and on face value and say, well, if he did it, I must also do it, or it must be okay for me to do it. I have taught lessons in the past, one in particular that really kind of tweaks a lot of people. It's fine with me if, if you get tweaked when I teach. Uh, go and let God tell you where I was wrong or right. You know, that's what I want you to do. But, you know, when I've talked about, there's one in particular, one story in particular that everybody's uh, familiar with about when the disciples gathered and they chose that new apostle. You know, they cast lots. I talk, I, I teach about that sometimes about how that wasn't what they were told to do, but they did it anyway. And this guy was made, one of, you know, added to the 12 because they lost the guy, right? Seemed like the right thing to do. And they did it. And so because it's in the New Testament and these guys did it, these are the, the disciples. These are the original guys. Surely they got it right. I don't believe they did. I'll leave that to you. That's another lesson. I'm just saying that's one of the things I've taught in the past. And I'm going to do that again today about Gideon. We're going to talk about him and look at what he did. Because Gideon is held up in Hebrews 11. He's on the list. A man of faith. He's one of the ones who said, I don't have time to talk about but he's on the list. By faith, he conquered a nation. That's what it says in Hebrews. 
All right? So I'm not saying Gideon didn't have something going on. But there were some aspects of how he got started in that conversation with God that we're going to look at and then hopefully bring that over into our place of existence. In grace, in the age where we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, which he did not. It's a very important fact. Let's look at that. Let's look at Judges, verse 6. And I'm going to be jumping back and forth between apps here, and I'm not great at that, so you give me a second when I have to find stuff here. Judges, verse 6. Six. Yeah. All right. Now, just a little bit of background. In case you're not familiar with the book of Judges, it's all about, you know, God raising up particular men and women to do a particular chore. Calling on them, saying, you need to go do this for me. That was a, a big thing. In the Old Testament, it was a rare thing that God would speak to someone and say, you're my woman, you're my man, you're, you're the one for the job. Where we live, it's a daily thing for each of us. Okay, so there's a contrast. But these stories are given to us for a reason, so let's just start. The Israelites did, lead, did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to Midian for seven years. That's kind of the story of you know, the Israelites back in, the, in their historical record, it's like they do bad, they get punished, they do good. They do bad, they get punished, they do good. Somebody, sound familiar? Sounds like your kids or us when we were kids, maybe us as a church, I don't know. He doesn't punish us like that anymore. He did then, okay? Uh, let's, uh, let's go on. And two, the Midianites overwhelmed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites made shelters for themselves in the hills as well as caves and strongholds. The Midianites were rough people. I mean, they were tough, uh, evil people. And uh, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, uh, Amalekites, and the people from the east would attack them. They invaded the land and devoured its crops. I'm sorry, I'm reading from the New New English Translation because I think it's got some really good stuff, the way it words and things, so it may be different than what you're seeing either on King James or it will be different than King James and Amplified. But uh, So... In verse 4, they left nothing for the Israelites to eat, and they took away the sheep, oxen, and donkeys. Uh, God didn't turn them over to somebody that was nice to them. Okay, this is a rough time. I'm just giving you a little bit of background. I'm going to jump down here. Uh, in 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help because of Midian, he sent a prophet to the Israelites. Okay, when you call out to God, you're hoping for help. You're not hoping for a prophet. To come and say, I brought you up from Egypt and, you, and took you out of that place of slavery. I rescued from Egypt's power and from the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave the land to you. And I, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But you disobeyed me. They're all thinking, God, we said help us, not correct us some more. But that's what he does. He answers in the way he'll answer. And so uh, they say, help us. He says, this is why you're where you are. Then he sends a messenger. In the King James it says, and there came an angel of the Lord 
in, the, in this translation I'm reading, the Lord's angelic messenger came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah. That's not Oprah, that's Ophrah. Owned by Joash, the Abizrite. He arrived while Joash's son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press so he could hide it from the Midianites. He was, you know, doing this because if they found the wheat he had threshed, they would take it. So he's hiding it. He's suffering along with the rest of everybody else. And the Lord's messenger appeared and said to him, The Lord is with you, courageous warrior or man of valor. This guy's threshing wheat in the wine press. He's scared of the Midianites, and the Lord's messenger, the angel of the Lord, says, Man of valor. He calls things that are not as though they are. And Gideon said to him, Pardon me, <laughs> but if the Lord is with us, why has such disaster overtaken us? Where, all, where are all his miraculous deeds our ancestors told us about? They said, Did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian? All right, so look at the questions he asked. If he's with us, why has disaster come? Where are the miracles? Didn't he bring us out? And the Lord himself turned to him and said, All right, I'm not going to dwell on this much, but I want to point out, it first says the messenger, the angel of the Lord, and then it says the Lord himself said i believe these are two different ways of communicating there's this being there this man who is an angel or this presence of an angel there talking to him but then it says then the lord himself not the angel of the lord the lord himself said you have the strength deliver israel from the power of the midianites have i not sent you he doesn't address his questions he says here's the answer to where you are, not your gripes, but from answer to the condition. Because you got here out of your own doing. So here's the answer. You are the answer. Gideon said to him, but Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Just look, my clan is the weakest in Massa, and I am the youngest in my family. All right. He gives himself away. He says, but Lord, he knows who, who's talking. He knows who this is. But Lord, and the Lord said to him, ah, but I will be with you. You will strike down the whole Midianite army. Gideon said to him, if, <laughs> you got to have a lot of guts to talk to God this way. You know, Lord, if you really are pleased with me, then give me a sign as proof that it, it is really you speaking with me. Do not leave this place until I come back with a gift and present it to you. The Lord said, I will stay here until you come back. Gideon went, prepared a young goat, along with unleavened bread made from an uh, ephah of flour. He put the meat in the basket and the, and the broth in a pot. He brought the food to him under the oak tree and presented it to him. Now, the angel is still there. And he says, God's messenger said to him, put the meat and unleavened bread on this rock and pour out the broth. Gideon did as instructed. And the Lord's messenger touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff. Fire flared up from the rock and consumed the meat and unleavened bread. The Lord's messenger then disappeared. Was that a sign? Quite possibly should be considered a sign. 
It's gone. And oh, by the way, so is the angel. Okay, I'm convinced. But Gideon's not. When Gideon realized that it was the Lord's messenger, he said, Oh, no, Master Lord, I have seen the Lord's messenger face to face. The Lord said to him, You are safe. Or, again, the messenger's gone. He's talking to him directly now. I'm not going to try to get into the doctrine of that, but it's just different. The Lord said, You are safe. Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. You know, he's heard the story of Moses. I've got to cover my face. You know, <laughs> so he's a little worried now. Got a little close to the, to the big guy. Gideon built an altar for the Lord there and named it. The Lord is on friendly terms with me is what he called it. Jehovah Shalom. To this day, it is still there in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. All right. He has heard from God. Called him Lord as he's talking to him. Knows who it was. Saw a sign, a miraculous sign. The stuff is disintegrated in smoke and fire. And he ought to be convinced. And so he goes that night. The Lord said to him, take the bull from your father's herd. I'm not going to go through all the details. He tells him, tear down the the, uh, altars and all the junk you guys have been doing. Your dad is one of the leaders in all this junk with Baal. And tear all that down and build an altar to me and make a sacrifice. So Gideon took that, did all that. So then the next morning, the other folks get up, and they're not happy. They're not happy at all with the, the shearer pole is down, and, and the altar's torn down, and this bull has been sacrificed. And Joash said to those who confronted him, Must you fight Baal's battles? Must you rescue him? Whoever takes up his cause will die by morning. If he is really God, let him fight his own battles. He's trying to save his son because he was one of the leaders of these guys. All right. In 33, all the Midianites, Malachites, and the people from the east assembled. They crossed the Jordan River and camped in the Jezreel Valley. The Lord's Spirit took control of Gideon, is what the NET says. He blew a trumpet, summoning the Abyssalites to follow him. Now, in the King James, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Really, really important to remember. When you're studying this stuff and trying to figure out, what does this mean to me? He did not have the Spirit dwelling in him as we do. It's not, it wasn't possible. God, God didn't give his Spirit that way at that time. But he, but he did put his Spirit on someone for particular purposes. On, not in. Very different. But it empowered him. Gave him some boldness. All right, so... Uh, it's, it's a garment that comes and goes. Thank God we have an indwelling spirit that never leaves. I'm getting to the point where that's really, really going to be uh, important in, in the bisection of all this. He sent messengers through Manasseh and summoned them to follow him as well. All right. Uh, in 38, in 36, I'm sorry, Gideon said to God, if, <laughs> this guy's got nerve. If you really intend to use me to deliver Israel as you promised, then give me a sign as proof. God, you promised me. But if you're really going to come through, man, this guy, he's such a mix of things. He knows who God is. He hears him. But then he says, if... 
it's not quite this quite to this extent but you know just imagine you know you're saved you know god has sent his son and he died on the cross and you are saved you know it and then one day you say well god if i'm really saved really i don't think so but we tend to say things like that anyway not maybe not at the salvation level but maybe maybe about direction okay so we're getting there Look, I am putting a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground around it is dry, then I will be sure, I will be sure, that you will use me to deliver Israel as you promised. The Lord said, did as he asked when he got up the next morning. He squeezed the fleece and enough dew dripped from it to fill a bowl. Gideon said to God, please do not be angry at me. When I ask for just one more sign. Wow. Please allow me one more test with the fleece. This time make only the fleece dry while the ground is covered with dew. That night God did as he asked. Only the fleece was dry and the ground around it was covered with dew. God is a patient God. He was then and he is now. He's, he's extremely patient with us. But let me ask you this. Does that little scenario put Gideon in the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrews 11? No, it does not. If that's where he had stopped, he would be never mentioned again because he was showing a lack of faith, not faith. He was showing, how many, how many signs did he get? In that little scenario, how many signs? Three, right? The food and then the fleece twice. And really, he didn't even need the first one because he knew he was who he was talking to. He recognized this. He knew it, but he just wanted a sign. And then he wanted another sign. And then he wanted another sign. Well, you know, he goes on. And from that point on, he does as the Lord commands, and he does conquer the, conquer the nation. He, he does what God had him to do. That's why he ended up in the Hall of Fame of Faith, because he finally did what he was supposed to do. But getting into the role, he had very weak faith, very weak. Wanted a sign, and then wanted another sign, and then wanted another sign. Can you think of somebody in the New Testament that wanted a sign? Just right off the bat. Somebody that said, I have to see? Thomas, yeah. Doubting Thomas, we call him. I have to see the nail holes. I have to see the, the cut in this side. I have to put my hand there and touch it. And, and what did Christ say then? You believe because you see. Blessed are, more blessed are those who, see, who do not see but yet believe. So that's my premise for getting this story from Gideon over into the New Testament church and where we live today with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk now about some of that. That, that story of Thomas is in John 20, by the way, if you need to write that down. Let me, let me premise this by saying, if, if you had ever prayed a prayer that we call a fleece prayer, I'm going to put out a fleece for God and get some direction from him. Don't be self-condemning right now. Don't feel guilty about that. I have actually encouraged 
people to do that in the past before I had a better understanding of where I am now, you know, what this really means to us. I've done that. The fact is, God is still patient. I don't know that he really answers fleece prayers like he did then. For one thing, let me just explain when I say fleece prayer. Oh, God, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to pray. And I, If I see a shooting star, I'm, I believe you're, you're hearing me. Okay, and you see a shooting star. Because you can see one just every night if you stay there long enough. It's not a miracle to see a, sh- flea, a, a shooting star. Not a miracle. It's a natural occurrence. This was not a natural occurrence that Gideon asked for. This is something that only God could do. So when you, when you want to put out a fleece prayer, get real. Ask for a miracle. God, how about if you just back up the shadow on the sundial 10 degrees like you did that one time? You know, because people do ask. They did in the Old Testament. They asked for stuff like that and got it. To prove to me that you're there, what God wants to say, if he doesn't say it out loud to you, he wants you to understand the sign for you was on the cross. There's an indwelling spirit in you that leads you into truth without any further action on my part. My spirit is in you and it leads you without the miraculous signs that these guys needed because they didn't have that at their disposal. Let's look at John. That's John 16 verse 3. Let's look at that real quick just briefly. John 16:3. Now remember The reason for this lesson is to get some understanding of of this particular kingdom principle. And the principle here is to be led by the Spirit and walk in faith, to live by faith. Who's, Who's supposed to live by faith? The righteous. We are the righteousness of Christ. We are to live by faith, not by science. By faith. Where did I say, John? Jesus in in 16.4 says, But I have told you these things, so that when their times come, you will remember that I told you about them. I did not tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me, Where are you going? Instead, your hearts are filled with sadness because I have said these things. And... uh, But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I am going away. For if I do not go away, the advocate... The Comforter will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but will speak whatever he hears and will tell you what is to come. Now, some people will say uh, that this is a directive, this is information from Jesus to his disciples, and that was, that's as far as that goes, that the Holy Spirit was going to come and instruct them. Well, I believe that's just the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit in this age. Sure, uh, we, all, we all believe. Uh, we, the reason we look in the Bible and, and try to understand God is because we believe it was all of the Word of God is, is Spirit-inspired. It's inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, through these men who, men who wrote the New Testament. All these letters and, and uh, directives in the New Testament, God inspired through his Holy Spirit. And this is where it's, it begins. He says, I'm going to send him to lead you, talking to his disciples, into truth. But guess what? We get the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit's not going to leave you dumb and ignorant and wandering around. He leads us as well. First of all, we are led by the Word of God, the written Word of God, that was given through His through the direction of the Holy Spirit, leading them into the truth. They wrote some of that truth down. But on a daily basis, he indwells us and leads us if we pay attention. And, and I truly believe I have experienced times when it's just this little nudge, little, little unction. And it's not anything spiritual or anything. It's just an unction to, to do something or be prepared for something or change something because of Something's going to happen over here. Just this little, oh. Sometimes I say, oh, I'm glad I caught that one. Sometimes I say, yeah, I'm doing what I'm doing. And sure enough, that was a little warning just for my own sake. Had nothing to do with anybody else. That's, that's a spiritual guidance inside you. You know right and wrong. It's inside you. When the Spirit gets inside you, all the truth is there. That's good news. We don't have to wonder. We don't have, you know, if, if somebody says, um, does God want the best for me? Somebody, because they're down and they're just so beat up, does God want the best for me? You can say, yes, absolutely, because you know the truth. You know right and wrong. You know the truth. And what, well, that is our purpose sometimes, just to reveal that to somebody who's not hearing so well. They're beat up. They're tired, they're worn down, and they need somebody else who has the truth in them and listening to it and actually exhorting with it to build them back up and turn the volume up a little bit for them. Turn the volume up. Man, wouldn't that be nice? God, I'm not hearing you so well. Just turn the volume up. Oh, maybe we can do that by turning the other volume down. Last week or week before, I ended by saying something that I got out of the sermon was uh, lay aside the what ifs and, and grab hold of the I believes or I know. Because the what ifs are pretty loud in our life. Well, what if this happens? And, oh, I'm wondering about that and concerned about that. And that, that volume gets really loud. And the, and the beliefs and, the, and knowing maybe isn't so loud in comparison. But that's our choice. What do we choose to listen to? Just like in your vehicle, if you listen to the radio, you can choose the channel. Turn to crank it up and not hear the traffic outside and all that stuff. 
you know, if you're in a company truck driving around out in the, in the oil field, crank up, crank up the music, and you got your two-way radio down. I don't know if you all still have two-way radios. I assume you do. Have two-way radios that they did when I was in the oil field. And you crank the music up so loud you can't hear the two-way. And the boss is calling, hey, Jimmy. Jimmy. I'm just singing away, you know. What do I have to do? I have to turn down the volume on what maybe I enjoy listening to and turn up what I need to listen to. The boss is calling. Happens all the time. He calls us every every day. He gives us direction, not only through his word, that stuff that just sticks with you. you. You find these principles, and this principle I'm talking about today, this kingdom principle, Part of the way we live in the, in the kingdom of God is by faith that we, we believe what God has said. We have the truth dwelling in us through his Holy Spirit. And that enables us to walk through the day without fear and trembling and without worrying about did the fleece get wet or dry last night and waiting on something that God's already said. Those, two, those last two, those fleece requests, were repeats, reruns. He already proved him. He, he was gracious in the first place. Here, show me by doing something with this food. He wasted more time and just exhibited his lack of faith by asking for more. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 4. Jesus is talking to uh, to the group, and he says, "And for when he has brought all his own sheep, well, let's back up in the morning." He says, "I tell you the solemn truth: the one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The doorkeeper opens the door for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out." Now, I don't, I'll tell you what. This is one of those examples that I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this is just God because I've, I've herded sheep before. Sheep don't pay attention to anybody, okay? I mean, they just wander around, and actually they'll follow the first idiot that goes the wrong way. You know, you've got to really watch those sheep. When they're just in a herd and there's no sheep herder there, you know, they're just kind of wondering what to do by themselves. One of them takes off just because he had a thought, just takes off. You know what? Every stinking one of those sheep take off with him. And, and the first one thinks he sees something on the ground and he hops like he's hopping over something. There's nothing there. Every one behind him hops over it too. There's nothing there. That's the way sheep are. But this says when the shepherd, Jesus Christ, calls the sheep by name, they hear him, they know his voice, and they come. That's us, folks. We don't have to wonder. He, he, he wants us to just live that way. That he wants, he speaks to us and he wants us to say, oh, that's the voice I know. That's the voice that leads me. There are lots of voices. 
He talks about somebody who climbs over the wrong way. Lots of voices. The thief and the robber. Satan has lots of voices in the earth. He has places, uh, people that will talk to you every time you turn around. At work or at school, he will, people will talk to you about junk that will mislead you and get you off track in a heartbeat. But if, all, if you just say, that's not the voice of my shepherd. He calls me by name. And I go where he says go. They will never follow a stranger but will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. There's the principle. How are we to walk day to day? By faith that he speaks and we can hear him and we recognize his voice. And if it's a voice we don't recognize, what do we do? What, is it, what does he say right there we're supposed to do? But run away from him. Flee. <laughs> Flee. Run away. But what do we do? Too often, what do we tend to do? That sounds a little interesting. Hmm. I haven't really heard that before. I wonder why. Because Christ hasn't said it. And someone's lying to you. The Satan's lying to you through some voice. And you say, hmm, that's different. This says if it's different, run. If it's different, then the voice you know. Because he doesn't disguise his voice for us. Jesus doesn't do that. It's the same voice every time. And we can depend on it. By faith, we can hear the voice. By faith, we can recognize it. It doesn't take great maturity. It takes faith. And so comparing this to Gideon, he says, I want all this proof. Then he gets obedient. We're supposed to live by faith, obedient from the word go. Go. He does that pretty regularly to us, doesn't he? Yeah, go here, go there, do this, do that. But I'm busy listening to this other voice. Can I just listen for this? I'm just curious. It's just kind of different, and, and I think I may just listen to see if maybe I can learn something by what the enemy is saying. It's not what he says to do. Hold on just a second. Let me look at something. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12, just a little rebuke maybe from, from the word here for us. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Then some of the experts in the law, along with uh, some Pharisees, answered him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Hey, we've heard about Gideon. <laughs> we want some signs. We know how things are done. You know, God gives signs. He did. He gave lots of signs. 
gave you lots of signs in the Old Testament. We just have an example of a few. I, I always say if there's an example of a few, there must have been much more. Probably were. But he answered, an evil and adulterous generation asked for a sign. But no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. What did I say a minute ago? The sign was posted on the cross. The resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our sign. That is our sign. That is our proof. It's all we need. There's one more here. He repeats basically the same message in uh, 16.4, Matthew 16.4, basically the same, same answer. Uh, in 16.1 it says, Now when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to test Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He said, When evening comes, you say it will be fair weather because the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today because the sky is red and darkening. You know how to judge correctly the appearance of the sky, but you cannot evaluate the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Then he left them and went away. So should I never ask for any confirmation from God? Am I just supposed to know and just go and never say, I'm not sure, God? Well, in a perfect perfect world, that would be, that would be the way it is. But we're not perfect. We still have soulless things going on in us. We still have the old man. He, he resurrects every once in a while when we least expect it and when we really don't need it. The, probably the, the most inconvenient times is when the old man shows up. And he brings doubt and fear and condemnation and all the things that that brings when you get in our soul and our own thinking. And so should we never say, God, I just need a sign? What we need to say is, God, remind me of the sign. I don't need a new one. I need to be reminded of the sign, the sign of Jonah. That's the one Jesus said you're going to get. That's what we did get. That's what that's a fully sufficient sign. Let me just say, if if you uh, if you tend to want to pray that way, what always has to come with it is your condition. Just like Gideon, if then, if that's true, then this has to happen. I'm going to put you in this box and see what you do. The only way I'm going to believe you is if you do what I'm saying to do. That is restricting God even in his answer to a prayer. God, I only want to hear you if you say it this way. Ever done that? I'll believe it when you say this. 
I'll know that's the guy I'm supposed to be with if he says it this way when I see him next time. Forget that inside you've already gotten the answer from God. But like Gideon, I can have one more sign. I just need one more sign. And he says, I, I'm just going to close with this. We got the sign. We got the only sign we need. We got the sign Jesus said he was going to give, and he gave it. And so when you find yourself saying, God, I need a sign, that's the moment you say, forgive me, Father. Just remind me of the sign you already gave. Make it alive in me again. Jesus died and was buried and was raised. The sign of Jonah. I got it. I'm with you again. You're my God, my Lord, my Savior, my all in all. Who needs a sign beyond that? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the sign of Jonah. Thank you for sending your son to die. He buried and resurrected. Thank you for raising him in power. Thank you, Father, for pouring out your spirit on us and letting him dwell in us. Thank you that your spirit leads us to truth, to all truth. Father, we just thank you that uh, we are men and women of faith. We live uh, as the righteousness of Christ. And we live by faith, knowing that you guide us, you, you have poured into us all the truth we need. Because you poured into us all the truth. So, Father, we love, you, we love your ways. Let us see clearly why you give us these stories, why you've shown us these stories of these men and women of faith in the Old Testament. Let us see it clearly and apply it clearly to ourselves not just out of curiosity or or acuteness, but, Father, let it be because we see the truth and we operate in it, we step into it, and we're guided by your Holy Spirit. Be glorified as we walk out uh, the, the truth that you've given us, that we step into the direction you say go, and we go because we know we've gotten the sign. And we hear the shepherd's voice. Lord Jesus, let us hear it more clearly. Let us turn up the volume in our spirits. Let us turn down the volume of the world and turn up the volume of your spirit that we may hear the voice of the shepherd and obey. Thank you, Father. We love you. We trust you. We depend on you in all things. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.